Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. The strong, the powerful Chris Carosa has returned to Money Savage. Welcome back, Chris. Hey, how you doing? I am doing great. Chris Carosa is an award-winning writer and speaker. He is an investment advisor and a consultant. I'm excited to have you back on Chris, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. I do what I do because I enjoy seeing people succeed. And anything that I can do to help them achieve their lifetime dreams is really what I'm all about. Well, I appreciate that. And tell us a little bit about the personal life. Well, I'm here just like everybody else, uh, living and working from home (laughs) and loving it. I mean, I'm... Maybe I'm a natural introvert. I don't know, but it's but I'm actually getting amazing things done. Uh, it's just it's just great. It's, you know, I love technology. I love the ability to work. Well, I was going to say uninterrupted, but you know, I've been on the phone uh, a lot more now <laughs> since this whole thing has uh, been the way it's been, and it's and it's not like emergency calls or anything it's just the interaction it's it's almost like people are reaching out and they want to talk to somebody and and i love talking so there you go (laughs) so it all works out they're interested in a little bit of human connection even if it be a a a a a digital call or a good old-fashioned phone call that's right i like it so it is uh april the 24th and we are sheltering in place or whatever the case may be. What uh, state are you in, Chris? I'm in wonderful Western New York. Okay. And I say Western New York because we're six hours away from New York City. We're not experiencing what they're experiencing other than the fact that we're being treated just like New York City. But Uh, that's another story. Yeah, fair enough. So what is top of mind for you right now? Opportunity. I mean, I think that this is really what's happening here. And it's, it's almost like the current situation is a Rorschach test. I mean, there are people who are down and complaining and, you know, wondering if this is the end or whatever it is. But then there are also people who are saying, Hey, what can I do to make life better for other people? And those are the people who I want to talk to. Those are the people who I want to help because I think this is the time to help other people to make life better and to make life better for yourself too. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, and that's, it's, do, do you think that, that, that might require some people just change their thinking a little bit to, to, to get away from fear and to start looking at it as, Hey, what, what could I be doing proactively? 
I think absolutely. This is this is a classic glass half full, glass half empty sort of scenario. And the people that I talk to, the entrepreneurs that I talk to, well, the people who don't realize they're entrepreneurs, I think that there's something inside of them that they just have to kind of have it get coaxed out. So what what I've been trying to do either through my writing or my workshops or my my ubiquitous Zoom meetings now, I'm having three or four of these things a week uh, with my various audiences. I'm trying to convince them that, hey, you know, you've got this inside of you. You may not realize it right now, but think about it. It's really simple. Think about it. You have you have a problem that you want to solve for yourself, say, and why don't you solve it for yourself, but then take it to the next level? Because you're not the only one who has that kind of problem. And that solution isn't going to just work for you. It's going to work for other people. Figure out a way to share your talents. Nice. I think that sometimes we think that the problem we're experiencing and then us figuring it out, maybe that's not of value to other people, when in fact it very much probably is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, this, I mean, even when I talk to other people, when I, I, I have no qualms about me being, you know, just a, a grain of sand on this vast beach. You know, I'm a nobody. And and I don't think there's anything really too exciting about what I do. I love to tell stories and I love to try to make them exciting, but you know, I'm under no kind of, you know, you know, misconception that anything I'm doing is significant in the grand scheme of things. But I but what what really strikes me is if I choose the words correctly, whether again it's in the writing or the speaking, if I choose the right words, it really captivates people and it, it, it allows them to reveal something about themselves. And that's really, to me, if you're going to ask me, you know, what do, I, what, what do I define success by? I define success by not necessarily the accomplishments that I might accrue over time. I define success by allowing somebody to imagine what they can be what they can do, how they can be successful. And then I hit the home run when they actually do it. Yeah. Oh, I'd certainly appreciate that. I think that that's awesome right there. So how, how have you been successful as of late of coaxing that out of people? I think, you know, just getting people to talk, just in your interacting with people, engaging them. This is, this is kind of interesting. I, I, I'll tell you a little story just about what I had been thinking of probably about six or seven months ago, you know, towards the end of last year, I've been using Zoom for a couple of years now. I've been involved in virtual conferences. And there was a virtual conference idea that I had at the end of last year. I started working on it, wanted to unveil it in January. And it was all based on what I did, what I learned from Zoom and how I could use it. It was actually pretty good. The conferences that I went to were really enjoyable. They were actually more effective and more efficient than my in-person conferences when I go to them. And I'm thinking, wow, this is great. And I realized as I was trying to talk to people about it in January, this was a novel concept for them. They had no idea. This, was, this, was, this wasn't just outside of the box. This was outside of the room that the box was in. This was outside of the building that the room <laughs> that the box was in. This was far out for a lot of people. And so I kind of put it on hold trying to figure out, okay, you know, I'm going to have to sell these people on the whole idea about uh, the whole concept of a virtual conference. Now, I know that a lot of 
you know, a lot of organizations are doing or have been doing in uh, virtual conferences uh, before this. But the particular market that that I was aiming for, this audience wasn't wasn't really used to or comfortable with that sort of thing. Well, in the last few weeks, that's all changed. Yeah. You know, now now it's now it's well. At this point, I have the opposite fear. I'm afraid that people are going to be Zoom meeting out by the time that I can get this conference together. And, my, you know, I've got a target late summer. And I think that virtual conferences are going to be a, a standard that we're going to see. They're not going to totally replace in-person conferences. There's something to be said about, you know, meeting the person, the flesh and blood right in front of you. Of course, there's also risks now, as we all know, in doing that, you know, and not maintaining your your safe distance or whatever that's called. Uh, so, so that's the, the sort of thing that is I find very fascinating right now. And everything that I'm doing is is a part of that puzzle, a piece to that whole puzzle. Experiments, little experiments here and there. Like I say, I'm doing these several Zoom meetings a week and they are to different audiences, but each audience I'm doing something a little bit different to to see how effective it is, how they can make how I can make that Zoom meeting a little bit more different than maybe what they're experiencing from other people. Yeah, I certainly appreciate that. And I think it's it's back to that back to the word of the day the the whole opportunity um, it's an opportunity to to make a ton of mistakes and to try different things and to try to recreate the community that that you find at a conference or the community you find in a traditional workspace uh, virtually so you have thoughts on that or, or, or things that have worked thus far I think community is a great word for this because that's really what it is and, and what we're trying to do, what I'm trying to do and what other people are trying to do is to create this sense of togetherness. I mean, I, without going too far. I mean, I, I watched the first round of the NFL draft last night and I, I, I just I'm I I was queasy because it was so Disney fied. I don't want to be that hackneyed in, in create. I don't want to be artificial. In, in doing this, I want it to be honest and sincere. And, you know, if you if you go over the top, which I think the NFL has done, uh, it, it just doesn't have that you, that credibility. And, you know, I know we're all in this together, but I don't want to hear that phrase. I don't I don't really <laughs> like that. I, I think of that high school musical thing, I, I, which I hate. I mean, I, I'm not the market for it. So it's probably who cares if what I feel about it. But I mean, you know, give me give me some old time rock and roll and I'll be happy. But, you know, so, yes, of course, we're all in this together. I mean, it, it, that goes without saying. However, this is not a time to be sad. This is not a a uh, a catastrophe. I go back to what I said before. This is an opportunity. This is about self-discovery. Let me tell you another story very quickly. When 9-11 happened, 9-11 happened, changed what I saw in people. So about 10 years, for 10 years, I had been doing this thing that I called the lifetime dream process. Sit down with people and, and actually help them discover the meaning of their life. I know that sounds wacky and everything, but it, it's, it's actually not that difficult to do. You just have to have some familiarity with Aristotle and Plato and Socrates and all those guys. Uh, but again, it's, and I don't even mention those names when I do this. It's, it's a practical thing and, and it kind of, it, it, it was working and it continues to work to this day. And I would see people as I would go through this process, I would see in their eyes this aha moment. Wow, that's the meaning of my life. It's always been there in front of me. I just never recognized it. Well, bam, then 9-11 happened. And when I had been doing this, when I started doing this again after 
No more aha moments. Not for a while. And the reason for that was because people, 9-11 caused people to go through this process introspectively without the aid of somebody like me. And they discovered or they realized what their meaning of their life, what was really important to them. And they got that. So I don't see that I, I, for, for whatever reasons, I don't kind of see that we're going through the same process today. It, you know, there, there's opportunity. So opportunity, opportunity strikes both ways. I mean, there's good and evil in opportunity. And I think that that's you're seeing both those both sides right now. And that's sort of preventing this collective goodness from percolating up. And, and I, I wish I could do something about it. I can't. I could probably do it within this community, within my own communities, my audiences, and help them. But, you know, I, I really wish that there was a way I could snap my fingers and just have that spread out everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine you're going to continue to uh, to ruminate and noodle on that. And I, I'm, I'm confident you will figure something out. So when you talk about I think that the NFL draft is probably a great example, maybe a little bit overproduced, inauthentic. And then there's there's got to be middle ground between, you know, not showing up with with maybe a good background or having, you know, I, I, I don't know. Is 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 there kind of a sweet spot? Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, OK, so this is like a secret in writing. I'm sure that it's not really a secret. I'm sure that every middle school English teacher tells their students do this, to do this, or to not do this. And that is, don't use the same word or phrase twice in a story. Mm. You know, you, okay, so maybe you could use it twice, but don't use it repeatedly over and over again. And if you if you saw the episode last night, the episode, that's what I'm calling it because it's like a TV show, uh, the first round every single first round pick had the same backstory over and over again it was this is why i say it's disneyfied you know every single disney movie is the exact same story your parents died uh, literally that's what it is i mean bambi's parents died you know every single disney movie that's what happened what do you look at every single first round pick same story yeah over and over again and uh, you know once or twice it's fine and even if it's true you know find a different angle there's there, everybody has an enormous story, a wide ranging story. You could pick any piece of that story and, you know, blow it up in a way that that dramatizes uh, the moment. And it doesn't have to repeat over and over for the same person. So that to me, you know, that's that's the that's the thing that it, that's bugging me because we and I read things and I sometimes I make this mistake in my own writing. Uh, because I don't uh, I don't proofread it as closely as I want, and then when then when it's published and I read it, I'm kicking myself. I can't believe I didn't pick a a synonym for that word. How could I use it <laughs> twice? You know, even though they're pages apart, you know, how could I use that same word twice? It sticks out to me. But maybe I'm too sensitive. Who knows? <laughs> I appreciate that. And I I thought you were going to say show don't tell because that was the one that really was was embedded in my mind when teachers were were teaching me how to write. Um, and to a degree, I think maybe the NFL was trying a little too hard by you know showing and and and, and telling these narratives. Um, and I think that I might be getting us a little bit off track here, but <laughs> you know trying to trying to really develop that 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 community virtually. That's really what. 
uh, I think that we're going to struggle with and 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 and, and work towards. And you've been you've been sharing some some thoughts about that. Do you have any any other thoughts on that? On on, on what individuals can do as to to maybe foster community? Well, you know, I, I recently wrote a column for for one of the newspapers that I write for, and it was called Winning the Battle of Bedford Falls. We're all familiar with It's a Wonderful Life Mm -hmm. and how George Bailey tried to join the army during World War II, but was rejected because he had the problem with his ear. And instead of winning the battle out in the battlefield, he was on the home front doing everything he can to support everyone, you know, who was who was fighting this big war. And I think that as a metaphor that works very well for right now, we can all do these little things. I mean, and you don't know when the opportunity arises. I, for example, last week, uh, you know, I live in a small town and, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, well, there's not a lot of movement, you know, in and out anymore. Like there used to be, the streets are pretty much, you know, not busy. And I live probably about a half of an hour away from, from the closest city, which is Rochester, New York. And the downtown chamber had a, uh, an opportunity to provide masks for businesses. And I thought, hey, this was great. But the local businesses, they're not going to go down there to get the masks. So what I did is I pulled the local businesses and find out how many masks they needed and went downtown and I got them. And this is the first time that I'd been out of my house in a month Hmm. to do that. And it was just, you know, I didn't plan on doing it. It wasn't something I looked for. It just sort of fell there. And I knew that nobody else really was, had, had the uh, resources or the ability to do it. So I did it myself. And a lot of the local businesses who would normally have not been able to take advantage of this benefit were able to get the masks. And, you know, that's important because they need the masks in New York state now because it's mandatory. Uh, and, and so that's a little thing. I mean, it's a really little thing. I felt really good. You know, it's one of those things that you can do, but everybody's doing it. People who are sewing masks, you know, I've done stories or we've done stories in our paper about groups of people who are sewing masks to give them to the people who need them the most. There's another group of people in our town who has put together a list of all the restaurants and when they're open for takeout and all that sort of thing. So it's it's people helping people, businesses helping businesses. There's just these little opportunities that pop up and seize them. Now's the time to shine. Not to complain about what's going on, not to say it's that, you know, that life threw you a bunch of lemons, you know, make some lemon or wait, no, sorry, I'm Italian. So not that <laughs> life threw you threw tomatoes at you. Take those tomatoes and make Sunday sauce. I mean, so, you know, you know, use what Use what's out there and share it and make make everyone's lives better. I think that that's an excellent difference-making tip right there, but I'll go ahead and ask you for it officially. So, Chris, Savage Nation is ready. What is, what's your difference-making tip? The, the difference-making tip is always look on the bright side of life, <laughs> which is the same thing I just said, but uh, – but you need a Monty Python illusion every night, once in a while. <laughs> I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Oh, well, you can go to my website, chriscarosa.com, and uh, see what I'm writing lately. Or you could, uh, and from there, you can find my social media links, the other sites I write. If you're an entrepreneur, you might want to check out my news site, called bizpizzazz.com. That's B-I-Z 
P-I-Z-Z-A-Z-Z, or bizpizzas.com. That is, uh, that's for entrepreneurs and people who like to run businesses successfully. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Chris your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to chriscarosa.com. It's C-H-R-I-S-C-A-R-O-S-A.com. If you're an entrepreneur, bizpizzaz.com. And I'm going to try to spell that, Chris, B-I-Z-P-I-Z-Z-A-Z-Z. Correct. Dot com. Perfect. Thanks again. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. I was going to say we're all in this together, but I'm going to say instead, (laughs) we all need to do our part.